My youngest daughter is 15. Uh, my oldest just turned 20. I have an 18-year-old, a 15-year-old. I know, I don't look old enough to have kids that age, but um, my youngest is 15, so she's not driving on her own yet. So I drive her to school almost every day uh, this school year, and in a 20-minute ride to school, we listen to some portion of every radio station on the FM radio at least three times. Uh, my kid's favorite radio station is Scan. <clears throat> we don't even listen all the way to the end of songs before we're searching for another station to listen to. That's part of the problem. The other part of the problem is there's not a lot of music on morning radio, even FM radio. I don't know if you've noticed this. They don't play music. They have um, hosts that tell jokes, and they do segments, and they have promotions, and and they tell a lot of stories, so there's not a lot of music on the radio in the mornings. Um, but again, they do these segments, and we, we listened to one station a while back, 94.1 uh, Jeff and Jen show. Um, I don't get any money from them, but that's who we were listening to. And they had a segment called We See You Trolling," and it was a little theme song they'd made up for the We See You Trolling" game. And I probably should stop here before we talk about the game and define trolling, because we may not all be on the same page when it comes to trolling. Multiple definitions for trolling. Uh, for example, most of you may be familiar with the, the phishing application of trolling. You go slowly, drag a bait line, try to attract fish to the moving bait. You have a trolling motor even, so you can go slow enough. Uh, that's one type of trolling, trying to catch things. And then there's a general sense of trolling for anything that you're trying to attract or, or find. Um, you, you could be uh, trolling for jobs or, or trolling for dates. Um, I don't recommend that, um, but uh, it may have worked for some of you. you. You may be married to someone that you found that way. Good for you. Uh, that's one application. Then there is the internet social media application. And for that definition, I want to refer to the authoritative source Urban Dictionary. That defines this way, trolling the verb form uh, as it relates to internet is the deliberate act by a troll, noun or adjective, of making random unsolicited and or controversial comments on, a, on various internet forums with the intent to provoke an emotional knee-jerk reaction from unsuspecting readers to engage in a fight or argument. So trolling is the verb form, and if you engage in trolling, then you are, by definition, a troll, um, the internet has created the international image of troll. So if you see this image, okay, that's the internet, some of you have seen it, it's attractive. That's the internet's version of, of image of a troll. A, a troll or trolling is that person that just systematically always makes negative comments always criticizes, condemns, sarcastic, cynical, biting, cutting, just always has some fault to find, some negative comment to make. Regardless of the situation, they can always find the negative. There's a cloud with every silver lining for these people, right? That's always something that you can 
complain about. So, so that's the trolling that we're talking about is the person who can just always find something negative to say. Back to the radio show. We see you trolling. Here's the way the game works. The host reads a heartwarming, wonderful, positive headline from the internet or from a newspaper, something like that. Headlines like, six-year-old girl saves cat from tree. Right? Something wonderful like that. Kids go to widow's home and sing Christmas carols. Right? Just the, the most wonderful headline you could possibly think of. And then the rest of the radio hosts are supposed to guess what negative comments somebody made. Because it doesn't matter how great the story is. If you, if you scroll down to where the comments are, there's somebody who always has a negative thing to say about the best story. You may give you an example. For you, sir, I'm going to do this. The rest of you. All right, so here, here's one from... Jeff and Jen show, we see you trolling. Disney has launched a $100 trillion, no, that's not right, a $100 million, I'm making it really good this service. <laughs> They've launched a $100 million initiative to redecorate children's hospitals around the country, starting with a hospital in Texas. They're going to redecorate, remodel children's hospitals to make them less scary for kids when they have to go to have surgery or they have to go see a doctor. So walls, scary machines, they're, they're going to try to make it uh, more appealing to kids. $100 million, Disney has pledged to remodel children's hospitals. This was the comment. I'm sure this wouldn't be a giant marketing campaign for Disney. Get the kids well and then get them out in the real world to spend money on Disney products. That's $100 million will repay itself in no time. None of you wrote that, did you? <clears throat> yeah, $100 million to redecorate children's hospitals. And we can't be happy about that. And we can't enjoy that. We can't say, that's awesome. Some little kid is battling a disease, and they're going to be less scared when they go to the hospital. Okay, this is what trolling is. Now, now here's the problem for us. We live in a world of trolls. I don't know if you figured this out or not. We live in a world of trolls, and we live in a world that can turn us all into trolls if we're not careful. Because there's so much of it in the world, because there's so much of it online, because we hear it on the radio and we see it on TV and we hear it around the water cooler and at lunch, we hear biting, snarky, cynical, sarcastic, negative comments all the time. If we're not careful, we will become snarky, critical, sarcastic, cynical people. Because so many in our world have developed just this knee-jerk reaction to finding the worst thing. Commenting on the worst thing. We're at a point where it's, it's almost difficult to make any comments at all without somebody attacking the way we made the comment. Have you noticed this? Well, you didn't say it the right way or you shouldn't have used that word. 
Or you're the totally wrong demographic. You don't even get to have an opinion on this. Right? This is the world we live in. You can make the best, most well-intended comment, and somebody's going to say, you said it wrong. You did it wrong. You have the wrong opinion. You used the wrong grammar. Right? Somebody's going to say something critical. Or another way this manifests itself is you make a single comment about a single topic, and then somebody complains because you didn't reference the 50 other topics that they think are really important. And you didn't say anything about all the other topics. You just talked about that one topic. Here's a test. Just post one day, I love sunny days. <laughs> just try it. And see if somewhere before the comments end, somebody doesn't say, well, you know it takes rain to make the plants grow. If we lived in an all-sunny world, we'd starve for, to death because you have to have rain in order to have food. Hope you enjoy your sunny days while they last. <laughs> like, we can't be happy, it seems like. And we can't let somebody else's comment be their comment. We can't just allow somebody to have an opinion, make their comment, enjoy whatever it is they enjoy. We've got to respond and point out how they did something wrong. This is trolling in the internet age. It's just this knee-jerk reaction to find the flaw, to find what's wrong, to make a comment. So over the next few weeks, we're going to ask ourselves, are we trolls? You're going to ask yourself that. I'm going to ask myself that. You may want to ask some people around you. That's a little risky. I wouldn't ask everybody around you, but you may want to ask the people closest to you. When you think of me, when you see that I've posted something online, is your initial reaction that it's probably going to be negative? Or that ah, it's probably be encouraging, probably be inspiring. When you think of me responding to something... Is your initial thought that I'm going to say something critical and negative? Or do you see me as somebody that encourages? Now, you do not have permission to tell everybody what you think about them. This is not like a license to go around getting even with all the negative people in your life. But it is a chance for us to look at ourselves and ask some Hard questions. Because of the world that we live in and the perspective that so many people have about life, have I adopted any of that? Have I started thinking that way? Do I respond to, every, to everything with a cynical, negative, sarcastic comment? Look, <clears throat> I think seeing negativity in ourselves is one of the hardest things to do. Seeing pride is almost impossible to do in yourself. Seeing, seeing arrogance in yourself is, is probably the hardest thing to detect in yourself. But viewing yourself as someone who's always negative and critical is, is pretty close. Because we just don't see ourselves that way. Most of the time when we're, when we're giving a critical comment, we think we're doing something positive. We think we're helping people even though they did not ask to be helped. We think we're doing them a service. <clears throat> They're doing it wrong. I'm going to help them do it right. So we see what we're doing as a positive thing in their life, even though we weren't asked to do it. 
but we view it as I'm helping them, which makes it difficult to look at ourselves as the critic, as the cynic, as the one that we don't just do it to help people. We do it because it's a part of who we are. We just tend to complain a lot. We just tend to criticize a lot. We just tend to see things from a negative perspective a lot. So I'm going to ask you to push back and be honest about you and how you tend to respond. Here's where we're going to start. Where, where does it come from? There's so much of it in our society. There's so much of it online. There's so much of it in conversations. Where does it come from? Because if we don't know where it comes from, we can't really address it. Here's my theory. If someone asked you, right after you made a critical comment, Right after you were negative, or right after I was negative about something, if somebody just popped up and said, where did that come from? Why did you make that comment? I think most of us, 99.9% of us, would begin by saying, well, they said this thing and I needed to correct them. Well, they did this thing and I just couldn't let it go. Well, they changed this thing, and they needed to know that not everybody likes that change. Well, my favorite restaurant is no longer doing this. My store that I always shop, they changed. My church changed this thing. They did this, and so I'm just responding to what they did. We think trolling starts with them, if we're honest. When we criticize somebody, we think they started it. Haven't we used that since we were kids? Well, they started it. Like from early on with our siblings, our brothers, our sisters, our friends, when we got caught doing something at school, well, they started it. Like this has been in us since we were young to blame them. We think it starts with them. The Bible says it doesn't start with them. It starts with me. It starts on the inside of me. James, brother of Jesus, writes a book uh, almost at the very end of the Bible. If you're finding it in your Bible, we're going to be at the end of James chapter 3. We're going to study the beginning of James chapter 3 next week because there's a lot of good stuff about the words that we use. We're at the end of uh, James 3, beginning of James chapter 4. At the end of James chapter 3, James is talking about Wisdom that comes from heaven versus the wisdom, and it's in quotation marks, versus the wisdom of, of the earth. And, and, he, and he says that the wisdom that comes from heaven is full of mercy and, and grace. Here's how, what he says in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Who is wise and understanding Let them show it by criticizing everybody around them. That's actually not what he says, right? Let them show it by pointing out everyone's faults. That's not what he says. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility 
that comes from wisdom. Who are the wise? Who, who has the wisdom of heaven? It's the person that allows their deeds to speak of their goodness and walks in humility. He, the end of chapter 3, verse 18 says, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So this is what the wisdom of heaven looks like. It looks like humility. It looks like good deeds. It looks like being a peacemaker. And if we're living according to the wisdom of heaven, that's what happens in our life. And then chapter 4 begins with James seeming to argue, but what happens when we're not walking in that? What does it look like if we're not peacemakers and we're not walking in the wisdom of heaven? Verse 1, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Where there's not peace, where there's conflict. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Not them, not they, not circumstances, not something outside of you. What causes you to not be a peaceful person? What causes us to want to attack and criticize and be negative and constantly cynical and sarcastic? James says it's not them, it's coming from in you. And you got to deal with in you. If you want to fix this, Jesus says something similar. Mark chapter 7, same story is told in Matthew 15. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. Then, verse 20, Jesus went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. So whenever there is a problem, I can't point at them. I can't. I can't point at what he said that then made me react. Jesus and James both said, no, that's coming from in you. That's the problem. You've got to fix what's coming out of you and stop blaming what somebody else did. Stop criticizing all the time. Stop complaining all the time. Because no, no matter what we think, no one sees that as helpful. No matter how we convince ourselves that we're helping somebody by criticizing them. No one sees that as helpful. Nobody feels that as helpful. Are there appropriate times and relationships to help somebody learn, to help somebody grow, to point out some things that people could do better? Absolutely, in the appropriate timing and relationship and context. But no one sees constant criticism as helpful. Nobody does. No one looks at someone who is continually cynical and negative and biting and sarcastic on social media and thinks, I want to take advice from this person. I want to learn this person's ways. This person could really help me. As a matter of fact, the opposite happens. When we're constantly trolling, when we're constantly 
negative, people begin to dismiss what we say. If you are a, a middle-aged adult, uh, define that however you want to. If that's you, if you've arrived in that vast no-man's land, um, you probably have a list of people that you no longer really pay attention to because you know they're always going to criticize whatever you bring up. You've probably developed a list of people that you know. It doesn't matter what you say. They're going to find fault and criticize and think you're doing the wrong thing. And so at some point along the way, you decided, I'm just not going to ask them anymore. Or, I'm just not going to listen to them anymore. And if you're lucky, there's only one or two people on that list. And if you're not lucky, there's a lot of people on that list. And some of us have multiple lists, don't we? We have a family list, most of us. There are certain people in our family that we don't ask how they're doing because they'll tell us for 30 minutes of everything that's gone wrong with them their whole life. I mean, we don't make eye contact with those family members. We got a family list. We got a friend list. We love them or we really like their spouse. And so we tolerate them, but we try not to get into conversation with them because we know they're going to complain about their health or their job or politics or the economy or they're going to complain about something. And so we've just pulled back. We have a work list. You got a work list, right? Because everybody's got somebody at work. It doesn't matter what the proposal is. It doesn't matter what the new initiative is. It doesn't matter what the change is. They're going to be critical. Of it. We think everybody should get every other Friday off. They're going to find something wrong with that. Everybody's going to get a pay raise. They're going to complain. We're going to have barbecue next Wednesday. Well, not everybody likes barbecue. Some of us gluten-free. It doesn't matter what you bring up or what they encounter. They're going to have something critical to say. So what happens is we stop listening to them. We put them on the list. You see, one of the greatest costs of a critical attitude is a loss of influence. You think you're having influence because you're still bringing up all this negative stuff. It's just nobody's really listening. And usually, when it gets to that point, we've decided there's just some immaturity issues here. And maybe we don't think of it that way. Maybe you haven't verbalized it that way. But once we put somebody on the list, it's usually because we sense a lack of maturity in them personally or emotionally or definitely spiritually because everything they say is complaining, which is what we expect of kids, isn't it? Moms, Mother's Day, parents, if you're not a parent but you've been around kids, we expect complaining from kids. It's too hot. It's too cold. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go to bed. I don't want to wake up. I don't want to eat that. I don't want to wear those shoes. That's a, a part of being a kid. And a parent's job is to mature them out of that. To mature them, to raise them out of the immaturity of having to whine and complain about 
everything and we become full-grown adults and we're still whining and complaining about everything, that's maybe a symptom that we just need to grow up some. Here's the thing about ending up on people's lists. Nobody tells you that. If we're just being honest, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest. If you end up on somebody's troll list, they don't walk up to you the next day and go, look, just, I just want to be honest with you. I'll put you on the troll list because you're just so negative all the time. Anybody had that conversation? Somebody just came up and said, I moved you to the list, man. You're just negative all the time. I can't take it anymore. Social media, the same way. No one unfollows somebody and then sends them a DM. Hey, just want you to know that unfollow was, you just post too many critical things. I'm tired of it. And nobody tells you when you have lost influence in their life because of your critical attitude. Nobody tells you. They just move away from you. They just stop listening. Maybe they endure you. Maybe they go, well, we can't get away from them, but we're going to make this proposal He's going to criticize it, and then we're going to do it anyway because he criticizes everything. We just don't listen to him. I mean, that's the hard reality of being the person that doesn't deal with the inner work of what drives us to criticize things. What are some possible things on the inside? Cover this fast. We want to get to Mother's Day lunch, I know. Let's go through this fast. This is not an exhaustive list. You can probably put more stuff on this list. Envy. James mentions that. Some of the other places mention that. Envy is one of them. I, I'm, awful, I'm often most critical of the people that I'm most envious of. Because I need to find some way. To justify why they have something I don't have, and so I need to criticize. They didn't do it the right way. They weren't honest. They don't deserve it. I'm often the most critical of the people that I'm most envious of. Fear. Fear drives a lot of it. Fear of change. Fear of losing control. Fear of... My stability changing, I know this, I'm used to this, and somebody changed it, and I don't like it, and that fear causes me to be critical. Anger, anger down deep inside. James, Jesus both deal with that too. When we have um, bitterness, anger, a lack of forgiveness from stuff a long time ago that we haven't dealt with, we haven't allowed the Spirit of God to help us walk through it. And we just kind of store it up. It has ways of leaking out. Bitterness and resentment come out in other ways when we don't deal with it head on. It's why the Bible tells us specifically to rid ourselves of all bitterness and anger. Rid yourself of all all bitterness and anger. And the Bible isn't saying you aren't justified in being angry about something. That's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say get rid of all anger except the ones where you really deserve to be angry. The Bible says get rid of it all, not just because of the results of bitterness and anger, but because God knows if we store that up, 
If we hold on to that in our heart, it starts coming out in other ways. It starts shaping us into critical, angry, bitter, negative people. Sometimes it's, it's, it's unconscious. We're not consciously thinking about that thing. But we've developed this sharp edge because we're still holding on to something. Some resentment, some anger, some bitterness, arrogance, if we're honest. Sometimes our critical nature is just because I think I know everything. Or I think I know better. I think everybody should listen to me. I think I've said it before. I'm pretty sure the world would continue to rotate on its axis without me giving input to everything. I'm pretty sure it would. I'm pretty sure that your life would be unaffected if I just stopped responding negatively to everything. The world could handle it. The world doesn't need my input on every single thing. Maybe all of them are wrapped up in insecurity. The insecurity that I feel about myself, and so it comes out as anger, or it comes out as negativity, or it comes out as criticism. When I am not confident and comfortable in who God has made me, I can't let you be comfortable with who He made you. If, if I'm not confident and comfortable with the amount of grace that I need every day, the fact that I blow it every day, the fact that I need forgiveness in my life. If I don't own the fact that I need a lot of grace from God because I don't have this whole life thing figured out and I make mistakes and, and I do things I shouldn't do, then I can't give you that room either. But we all need it. We all want it. Not, not just insecurity about me. I, I, I think some negative perspective is is our insecurity about God. Think about it. If you believe there is a God who created the universe and is in control and He's all-powerful and all-knowing and sovereign, we, we like to say, he's, he's ruling over everything, then I don't have to fix everything. Sometimes I think we wade into things and we give our opinions and we criticize because we're not trusting God to, to take care of it. Maybe what people need is, is not my critical comment. Maybe they need my prayer. Maybe instead of rushing to give a negative comment, I would slow down enough to pray for that person. Maybe what issues in our country need, I'm not saying we should never speak out, that's not what I'm saying. But that constant negative slant, critical perspective, maybe what the big issues of our nation, of our world needs is not my verbal input. Maybe it's my prayer. Maybe I need to pray for these things. Because God's in control. God can handle these things. David, uh, King David, Old Testament, real quickly, writes a beautiful psalm, Psalm 19. Read it when you get a chance. It's this beautiful prayer of worship and glorifying God uh, uses a lot of creation imagery. Just It's a beautiful psalm. And he gets to the end and he says this, May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What a great way to finish a thought. 
God, I, I tried and I hope that everything that's come out of my mouth and those thoughts that I've been turning over in, inside of me that I didn't actually say but I've been thinking about, I pray that all of that was pleasing to you. Just as a test trial, <clears throat> what if this week we decided to end every day with that prayer? Every day, getting ready to go to bed, we think back on the conversations that we've had all day. We think back on the thoughts that we've gone over and over again in our minds throughout the day, the things we've posted, things we've texted. And, and, and what if we were honestly able to pray? God, I pray that all of that pleased you. Everything I said today, I tried to say things that would please you. I pray that it did. Versus having to say, God, I pray that my words and my thoughts pleased you, except for that, those two conversations at work, because I know they didn't. I mean, God forgives us. God gives grace. I, I, I'm just saying something to think about. God, I pray that my words pleased you, except for that one post that I made. What if it just became our goal that at the end of every day, to sincerely be able to pray what David prayed, God, I think I, 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 was, I was trying to walk in wisdom and humility today. And so I just pray that everything I said, thought, posted, texted, I just pray that all of it pleased you. The world has enough trolls, honestly. I mean, we've met the quota on trolls in the world. People who are negative and cynical and sarcastic and demeaning and hurtful. But the world could use some peacemakers. The world could use some people who walk in humility, let their good deeds speak for themselves, receive the grace of Jesus so they can extend the grace of Jesus, Sincerely desire that every word and every thought would be pleasing to God. I hope we live that way this week. God, thank you. The clarity of your words. Thank you for the goodness of this text, even though it penetrates our hearts. Help us not to justify an ongoing critical spirit by pointing at them or they. Help us to ask what's going on in me that causes me to speak critically about so many things. What's going on in me that gives people the perception that I'm always complaining. What's going on in me? The world needs peacemakers. People of love and grace, let us be those. In Jesus' name, amen.